Welcome back to the Fearless Fostering Podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Burse, LCSW, and today I am joined by Angie Orth. She is going to share a little bit about her foster care journey with us. So thank you so much, Angie, for being here. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So will you tell us just a little bit about background for yourself and your family and how you got started with foster care? Sure. Um, I'm kind of in a bit of a career that you wouldn't expect someone to be fostering because I'm not here very often. Um, So it's been a a bit tricky wading into it, but I'm a travel writer and just a travel person in general. So I'm on the go quite a lot. My husband works in the tree industry. (laughs) So, um, you know, we're here, there and everywhere and hurricanes are fun around here. And it's just, you know, it's kind of like something's always on fire. So like, why not get into foster care too? Cause why not? Um, but I think even in early days of dating, we kind of knew we weren't really wanting biological kids. And in knowing that we also knew that we wanted to foster. Um, so it was always just kind of there and it was a plan. And as we bought a house, we bought it with kids in mind and, as we've done things to the house, we've always done it with kids in mind. So, um, you know, we, I think we were married probably six ish years when we got our first kiddos. So yeah, been a journey. Yes. And so how long ago was that when you first started with your first placement? Um, it was almost exactly two years ago. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And what did that look like for you guys as you're like, okay, we're, we're here to help. I mean, kind of, how did you, how did that look for you in the beginning? Um, well, we, we had a plan, you know, we had the ages of kids that we were kind of interested in. We had this idea that we were going to get siblings because, you know, we have siblings and we just know it's so important for them to stick together. So we got certified for three up to three kids and, you know, that seemed like a good idea at the time. And we just, um, yeah, we, we had a plan and then we got certified and we, it actually ended up taking us a couple of years to fully go through all the process because we had to do certain things to the house and we have a pool. And so there were a lot of just like little things that you have to think about, like the locks and the alarms and, and that kind of stuff. And, and all the while, you know, we're thinking we're going to have littles. So that's, that's a very specific kind of preparation to do. Um, and then we got certified and, and I was like, you know, we're never going to be ready. So we'll just say yes. And, and the right kit. So we get our first call, first call ever. We had just gotten certified and it was not for what we had planned for, but it was for a teenage girl who is 17 And they were like, she needs a place for like four days before she goes on to her next place. And I can, I remember it so clearly we were standing in Sam's and we were like, okay. And I'm like, let me talk to my husband. I'm like, we can do this. It's a teenager for four days. Like what? This is so easy. This will be so great. And so we, we did that (laughs) and yeah. And the rest is history. Okay. And so was it just for four days? No, no, we adopted <laughs> that child. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So about three days later, um, we got a call four days later, we got a call. Hey, there's this other teenager. She also needs a place for like a week. And we're like, this kid has been such a doll. 
like, you know, we were like, would it be okay with you if we had another teen girl come in? And she's like, that sounds great. Nobody's ever asked me that before, you know? So we're just like, this is so fun. And teenagers are so fun. And then, um, so we had the other one come in that same day, later that day, I tested positive for COVID. Um, the next, like two days later, my husband tested positive for COVID. So we are trying to, and our fridge broke that same week. So we have no food. We're both so sick. Like we were ill. I've never been that sick. Um, and we've got these two long-term teenagers who have been in foster care for a long time. And they're just, you know, we're trying to be like nurturing from the other side of the house. And it was such a, <laughs> it was funny looking back on it, but I was like, we're all going to die. Like we're definitely, <laughs> <almost> <laughs> <gonna end> this, <laughs> life. this is the worst. Yeah. Um, and then it was not a four day situation there. There really was nowhere else for the girls to go. That was sort of, I don't know if that was a purposeful thing or they were just like, wow, they, they fit really great here. I don't know if they always tell you that, um, or whatever. And we didn't really get a lot of information on them probably because we didn't know what to ask. So, you know, we took everything that was said to us at face value. And then in the midst of, I mean, we were sick for fully three weeks and every meal was DoorDash and, you know, just everything was a nightmare. It was so difficult. And then them having to test for COVID every time they went out of the house and they weren't registered for school. And it was time for school. And I don't know where school is. Like, I, I was just so flailing. You know, I don't know how to register a kid for school. I don't know. I don't know what kids need for school. I wasn't planning on teenagers, you know? So yeah. um, it was really, really something. And uh, gosh, we learned a lot. <laughs> we learned a lot about questions to ask and how to stick with your boundaries and you know, you, you can't save all the kids. I think that's what we thought we were going to do. You know, we were just going to say yes to every kid and every kid was going to leave here feeling so loved and just, you know, and that was going to change everything. But, um, we learned a lot. Yeah. I think that's really important to bring up. So I'm glad that you said that because I think, um, I mean, I've talked to people and myself, like we got two calls before we got the call for our son and, mm -hmm we were like, this is just so far outside of what we said we would do. So we, and we also had, you know, two biological kids at, at the time. So I was like, I, I just think that we have, we should say no, but I do that, that feeling of guilt is just so intense. And I don't know, like, what do you think, like where, I mean, cause it's because we know so much because we've been trained in foster care classes. Like, why do you think, because in my head, I'm like looking around and like, who, no one, I don't know anyone else doing foster care in my own little sphere of the world. Like, right. So why do I feel all this guilt of like, I'm still doing it. I'm just not saying yes to this kid, but I think we just know too much. Yeah. Because then you're laying there at night thinking I said no. And exactly. what is happening to this child right now? And it's all my fault. And I could have saved that child. And now that child is, you know, you can just spiral. Yeah. Truly. You could spiral about every single, every single person. And I don't know, there's that, there's that just part of you that wants to help all of the kids Yeah, and, and just helping one or two, that's huge, but it maybe doesn't feel like it, you know, yes. making a difference for one kid is a big deal, but then you, you know, I see other folks online that are like, well, I have 14 foster children. And I'm like, I could never, 
I I thought I could. Like I had big ideas, but I'm like, yeah. I I would die. I don't know that I could do it. And yeah. I don't know how people do it. And I'm so fascinated by the wiring, like the different wiring of people. Like some yeah. people can absolutely have that many, I can't have that many people in my house, much less youths, you know, kids. Right? As much <laughs> as I love it. And you know, I, I don't know. It's it's all about your wiring. And I think that is something that you should probably know before you get into it. Like have mm-hmm. a real solid idea of who you are as a person. Like what's your Enneagram? How do you and your husband relate to each other if that's the situation? And, you know, I, I mean, for me, I didn't realize how much, how much I wasn't going to be able to work. Um, mm. Unfortunately, my job is very flexible, but nobody's job is like six months off flexible. So, you know, it was a real, a wake up call. And even with older kids, I thought older kids, you know, they can kind of feed themselves and they're kind of self-sufficient. No, they're not, not my two. It it just like, I felt like I was constantly doing therapy, which is, Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's what I'm here for. Like, that's what they need me for. But then at the end of every day, I'm like, I am going to die. (laughs) Like, yeah, it's exhausting worn out from, from the trauma of it. But then I don't, I don't want to set boundaries for my, myself and my own health because I'm like, they need me. So there's that, you know, there's that whole dichotomy of like getting into it, but still having boundaries and still taking care of yourself. It's hard. Yeah. You're so right. It's like, especially when the need is like staring you in the face and you're like, I said yes to this kid. Like, you know, you're like, yes, I said yes to this kid, but sometimes saying yes to the kid is like saying yes to me first and then saying yes to the kid or saying yes a little bit later, but it's so hard in the moment to actually navigate that and do it in a way that feels like enough for you and for them. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like there's, there's never any way to fully balance. And even when you think you're doing things all the way right by the kid, it's a teenager at the end of the day and they don't care. <laughs> you know, yeah, they're still teenagers. Exactly. I was one of those too. And uh, you can do the best and the most. I was, my husband was always mad at me because he's like, you're spoiling them. And I'm like, but they deserve it. You know, yeah. like they deserve to get their nails done. And he's like, you have to stop. And because everything they ask me for, I'm like, I just want you to, to see that someone loves you. And if that, you yes. know, if it's the nails, if it's, because we went to McDonald's and like, whatever it is. And I'm just like, yes, I'm the fun big sister, you know, uh-huh. I'm, not, I'm not the sister though. I'm the, I'm the mom. And that's, that's a different vibe for me. So yeah, it, oh gosh, there's just, it's a never ending all day long learning process. And there's no processing because it's just like fire, fire, fire. And then you're like, oh, people come to my house like every day and take up hours upon hours of my time just talking about stuff. Holy cow. It's, it, was, it was such a surprise. I thought I was ready. Like yeah. nobody prepares for stuff like I do. I, I was prepared. I read the books and, you know, took the classes and did all the stuff. And things hit me like a train. So many mm-hmm. things. And I was just floored. And, uh, you know, a lot of that is because we said yes to teens. And that mm-hmm. is not what we prepared for. Yeah. So, you know, we definitely, my eyes are open to some stuff. Yes. Now. It's so, yeah. it's amazing. It is amazing. And I think there's like, you know, 
really good stories that like yours that come out of, you know, yeah, we said yes to something that we weren't going to thought we were going to say yes to. Um, and it worked out amazing. And there's other times where it's like, ah, like maybe we bit off more than we could chew, but you don't know that really until you like get in the situation. Um, so that can be kind of tricky. I couldn't have imagined like the, the concept of biting off more than I could chew is really real to me now because we did that so so vibrantly <laughs> you know so, so well. <laughs> we just did it so good <laughs> um yeah amazing. it yeah it it ha- happened so fast and yet was yeah. like the longest six months of my life when we had the kids wow and so then what happened from there so you they were supposed to be just a short time they ended up saying a long time and one adopted right yeah so the first one um that we got her adoption counselor, I mean, I guess she had said for a long time she didn't want to be adopted because in the past she had been adopted and then they unadopted her, which is wretched. Um, That's a whole different show and ooh, don't get me started. Yes. So, so that was heinous. So then, you know, the, I didn't, I didn't even think like we were never planning to adopt. That was just not, not that we were against it, but just that wasn't on the radar. You know, we are very focused on reunification and that's what it's about. And not that we're not going to get attached, but that we are going to support the birth parents and get them ready for their, to get their kids yeah. back. Well, that wasn't an option already mm-hmm. in both yeah. of these circumstances. So the adoption counselor kind of told her, oh, you should get them to adopt you. And so then she was like, oh, hey, do you guys want to adopt me? And we were like, I guess, I mean, do you want to be adopted by us? You know, it was more like us giving it to her. We're like, we absolutely will. If you want us to be your people, I'm not going to say no. And that's kind of what it came down to is like, I'm not going to be the last adult in a Mm. long line of adults who have rejected this child. Like, it's not going to be me. So, Mm -hmm. so yeah, we went through with adoption and there were, you'd never seen an adoption go through so fast. They were like, boom. Wow. I mean, she came to our house like the very end of July and she was adopted by December. So, oh my gosh, wow. Mm-hmm. They were like, adopt, adopt, do, do the thing. Yeah. And we're like, okay, wow. fine, great. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, I think we said yes early on. And I believe that she wanted to be adopted, but uh, I don't know that she fully knew what that meant it just sounded fun at the time and then she was like oh my gosh I don't know about boundaries I don't know about rules and yes yeah so we we did those kind of headbutting sort of things and I think when you're in foster care for a long time especially as a teenager uh relationships become so temporary to you and everything is so fleeting that it's it's easy to throw things away um whether it's stuff or people um and and she was really used to just things get hard, I'm out. Things get hard, I'm going to do some kind of thing to get me kicked out of this house. And, you know, so the the patterns started to really show themselves even before we got to adoption day. And then um, we adopted her about three weeks to a month before she turned 18. Okay. So, you know, that was tricky. Just navigating, like you're about to be an adult and you really can yeah. do whatever you want. And you've known us for five months. So you, you love us, but you really don't care what we have to say if you don't mm-hmm. like it, you know, mm-hmm. as, as teenagers do. So, 
you know, uh, it was a lot harder, I think, than, than we thought it was going to be. And so it has been really a challenging two years mm-hmm. since, you yeah. know, since, since they arrived. And then, and the other one, um, we only had her for two months. She had a different, the, the two girls had different, um, like foster care agencies. So we had okay. kind of different experiences with that. And the one, the second one, they just dropped her off with no information and no one checked on her for two weeks. Oh and, my gosh. And I was like, is this what they do to teenage girls? Like, are you kidding? I mean, thank God we're nice and safe. And I mean, if they were in wonderful hands, but what if, what if That's... we were not awesome people, you know, oh. I was horrified. And, and I'm like, excuse me, um, this kid needs to go to school, you know? Yes. And they're just like, oh yeah, I don't know. I'm like, I have COVID. I literally have pneumonia. Can someone please help me? put this child on my word. It was really, really, really tough. Um, and then those two kind of didn't get along sometimes and we got no information on kid number two. So we didn't know until six weeks in that she was not supposed to be in a home with any men at all. So, you know, that was another like fun red flag. So really, it was just like every day learning something new about the system and, and how broken it was. Um, kid number one, her, the, the rights had been, you know, TPR years ago, years, and they were letting her have unsupervised visitation with mom, which caused great turmoil in the house every time, you know, it was just, uh, and I'm like, wait, I thought, I thought TPR meant, excuse me. I, I was told in class. I should, yeah. <laughs> I do yeah. remember what that stood for in the class. Right, right. <laughs> I, I took that test and I got an A. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah. And I'm like, so why aren't things going the way I was told that they would yes. go? Which, mm-hmm. you know, it's, I don't want to say it's like nobody's fault. It's just the way things are. And yeah. it's more foster care is so important because look at these kids falling through the cracks. Yeah. Like these are two teenage girls who are smart, so smart. And they're using their smarts for shenanigans, not to get themselves somewhere in life, you know? Yeah. And I, I hate to see that, but, but I do see sort of a pattern in the, the teens who have been in foster care for a long time. It's their coping mechanisms. You know, like they've learned to survive. And if that means lying to my face, even though they don't have to, yeah. it's just sometimes what they do. And I'm like, why are you lying? I'll give you everything you ever dreamed of. And they're just like, nah, you know, this is how we cope. Or, yeah. or they'll, they'll self-sabotage, you know, they'll they'll blow up our good relationship just because they don't want me to disappoint them in the yes. future. Wow. Breaks my heart. And I just, I just keep reminding, you know, adoptive daughter, number one, I'm just like, we're still here, mm-hmm. you know, we're still here. I, do I want to be every day? Absolutely not. Like yeah. she makes me crazy. She is my crazy teenager that to this day, I mean, she just, she just called me she, the other day. She called me 18 times in a row and I knew, and it was one for every year of her life. <laughs> and she, yes. And she left me a message with her McDonald's order that she wanted me to door dash to her. Oh my word. God bless those teenagers with their, with their audacity, you know, like, don't you just love the audacity of a teenager who's hungry? 
<laughs> I know. I, and I, it's funny because I used to answer like, are you okay? What's going on? Where are you? And now I'm like, she just wants McDonald's. She's fine. Like she's I know hungry. she's safe. She literally, like she sent me a card in the mail the other day and it wasn't like, hi mom or anything. It was just like, here's a list of things I want from Amazon. And it was two pages of like, I want lashes. I need lash glue. I need a new comforter. I needed this. And I'm like, like to you, you crazy girl. But you know, she knows she can call me in, yeah. in a crisis and I'll be here. So that's amazing. That's about as good as we right this moment is as good as we've been. That's, I mean, but that's huge. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like there's so many kids, as you said, fall through the cracks. Don't they, they age out of the system and they, yeah. who are they calling? Who are they sending that list they to? Have anybody to Who's call. getting their McDonald's? You know what I mean? Like, it's like, if that like you said, like the McDonald's isn't just McDonald's. It's like, uh-huh. this is someone caring for me in a tangible way. Uh-huh. And that's like something that is like really like out of my comfort zone, but also so like, I'm so thankful that I do have it, you know, well, even if it doesn't thing. feel it that It annoys way. me to know uh-huh. it. Like uh-huh. she makes me crazy, but I get have a lot of grace for her because I know what she's been through. And, and I tell her often, like, everything that happened to you is not your fault, but you are an adult now and you are responsible for the way you act now. And she hates that, but, but it's the truth. And I also try to look at it, you know, when you have so much trauma as a child, uh, your brain just does not form the way everybody else's does. And so when I think of her as a 19 year old with a brain that kind of didn't get all that didn't get nurturing love nothing um I it makes me think you know when I was six my mom getting me McDonald's was was the thing like that's how I knew my mom loved me because I got a happy meal and you know if that's what it takes I mean it she might be 30 years old before she has before she really believes that we're we're here yeah. you know um I don't know I I think we're still, you know, we're walking through the hard part of it. And because we didn't intend to adopt, because we didn't intend on teenagers, this is all uncharted. You know, I'm like, I can't, I can't take in another little kid right now or three siblings because daughter number one is a great deal of administrative. And yeah, I mean, she's, she's a lot of work. Yeah. Um, like having a little kid who is a grown up and can drive away and get into trouble and you know and doesn't want to listen and you know, it, it there's a lot going on there so you know we're not ready for for other kids just yet but man i i just hope that she makes it to the other side mm-hmm. and that's that's what i pray for her is that she one day realizes you know, yeah. and we told the girls this when they first got to us, we're like the worst days of your life can be behind you. Like you yeah. never have to have that, the bad times again, like that, mm-hmm. you know, like what they yeah. came from and one chose to stay. And the other one who at the time was 14 pulled her, um, I think we took her phone away for some, like she broke curfew and got into shenanigans and, and we were like, girl, no, we're going to take your phone for one day. My mom used to ground me for like 17 months at a time yes. for, for like giving her a side eye or something. Uh-huh. 
Uh-huh. So I, I take the phone away for one day and she called her social worker and was like, I can't live under these conditions. And they basically let her choose a different foster family that had no rules. And so now she's off doing whatever doing, she wants. Yeah. For real. And, you know, I keep, I keep an eye on her. I keep in touch with her, but she wanted to live a different life. And, yeah. and she said, I'm not, I'm not staying here. You guys aren't going to mm-hmm. tell me what to sleep, but you could be safe. You know, yeah. you everything. Oh, so it's but, hard. Yeah. Especially when they, they let 14 year olds make those kind of life decisions. Exactly. Exactly. It's so, and like you said, there's just so much about the system that is just like, there's so many working parts and so much brokenness in it that it's just like, everyone's kind of just like, it's like band-aid here, band-aid there. Yeah. Quickly fi- like It's like the quick fix rather than the big overarching yeah. like systems view of yeah. things. And I think that's really hard. And then there's so much turnover and, oh and my it's gosh. just like, what's easiest today? What can, what fire can we put out today? And it fe- and it's just like to the detriment a lot of the times to the kids in care, to the foster families, to the bio families, to like everybody involved. Yeah, yeah. no, there's nothing about it that, seems to be good or helpful you know it's 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 what we have to work with so I think everybody's doing their best and you know on on our social workers worst days they're doing their best I know that they've just talked to 40 other kids Mm -hmm. you know and they're driving them from the police station and it's so traumatizing every single day in fact um our kiddos social worker um that she had peaced out after, after she was adopted. She was like, I'm not doing this anymore. And yeah. I mean, the turnover. I know. It's so hard to get anything done when there's that much turnover. So, so yeah, I mean, but it does underscore the need for, for foster care in general. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know how, how we make it better for foster parents. Cause I would love to do it all the time. And I would just love a house full. I don't know. I haven't figured out how to do that yet. Mm-hmm. you know, without the support. It's a hard yes. thing to do with two people. Absolutely. I think that's just a really good reminder. And I just love how honest you've been. Like, I think it's so important. That's literally why I started this podcast was to be able, because my thing was, I'm like, I like quickly getting into it. I was like, oh, this is not the way that they said it was going to go. And I'm like, what we need to do is be able to listen to more foster parents experience so that we can be like, oh, Cause there were so many times where I was like, I didn't know this was a thing that could happen at this point uh-huh. in the case, or I had no idea that was like, it's just like the rug right. gets put out like, from under you. Yeah. Wait, what? So when you hear other people talk about it and you know, other people's stories, you're like, wow. Okay. So adoption isn't always just a happy ending balloons picture. Like no. there's, that's where you're beginning from. And then, wow. What happens after that is still hard. Like, you yeah. know, we need to know that we need oh, to talk yeah. about that and normalize that. So people know what they're getting into. So people can say, oh, wow. I at least somewhat expected this might be difficult. Right. Like I, I didn't know what the, the obstacles would be, but I knew there would be some and truly that, I mean, there were just so many things I didn't know could happen. Yeah. Same. Did not know. <laughs> like, right. What? Like, <laughs> just like oh, you guys can do that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Exactly. But you didn't give me that valuable piece of information. Okay. Cool, cool, was cool. not aware that was a possibility, but okay. <laughs> Yeah. Oh man. Wild. I know. 
Well, thank you so much. I know you don't talk about foster care per se um, on your, you know, social media and stuff. But I know you show up online and I would love for people to be able to follow you and connect with you. So where can people find more about you and what you're doing online? So my main account is Angie Away, A-W-A-Y. Um, that's pretty much where I post things. When we do have kids, I, I post there as much as I can, but it's mostly a travel focused account. And then I'm like, hi, I'm here. And there are children in my house. Holy cow. What do I do? Um, so I think people thought that was pretty funny. Um, my blog is angieaway.com and I have a book coming out next year in March. I'm so excited about called, well, I can't say what it's called yet, but okay. I haven't announced it, but it's coming out in March. Um, and, and I'm the host of the AAA traveling with AAA podcast. So you can find me all over the place. Just look me up and something will pop up and you'll find me. (laughs) I love that. Okay. And just for one last quick, fun question, favorite place you've ever traveled. I love traveling too. I know. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Or maybe top two or three. Um, how about where I could go right now and just be very happy to be transported to probably Greece. Any, any island in Greece right now would do the trick. We just got back from Yellowstone, so I can't really complain. Ooh, um, nice. I'm being back in Yellowstone or Grand Teton um, and always Hawaii. I think oh, yeah, anytime I could be in Hawaii, I would be a happy, happy girl. But I mean, there's no place I don't want to go. Exactly. If I'm, okay. if I'm somewhere, I'm happy. <laughs> yep. I love that so much. Oh gosh. Well, thank you for sharing your journey with us. Thank you for the conversation. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate you and all you do. Hey, Foster Mama, I want to introduce you to my Embrace the Unknown support bundle. Navigating uncertainty as a foster mama requires a toolkit of resources that nurture both your emotional well-being and your ability to provide the best care possible. So I want to introduce you to this comprehensive support bundle, including guided meditations for centering, coping strategies for uncertainty, meditations for emotional balance, mindfulness in everyday life, self-compassion and renewal, and up to $500 worth of bonuses, including six months of ongoing office hours monthly with me, how to stay regulated when your kids aren't with master meditation teacher, Dr. Elizabeth Cronin, my court day anxiety video training, and one private 30-minute call with me that you can schedule at any time over the next six months. For a limited time, you can scoop up this entire bundle for the early bird price of $67. Simply go to fearlessfostering.com or click the link in my Instagram bio at fearless underscore fostering. I can't wait to support you and thanks for tuning in.